0: This is the CX Insights Rockstars Podcast, and this is your host, Dr. Frank Buckler, founder and CEO of CXAI. Let's rock this show.
1: Welcome CX Insight Rockstars. Today with a very special episode. I have here as a guest, Peter Eisler. The topic today is prepare your insights. You are leaving PowerPoint land. <laughs> Let me introduce you, uh, Peter. Peter has been working on the interface of customer insights, customer experience and customer authenticity for many on more than 18 years. Having grown up in a classic market research environment, he is now involved in the field of development of companies towards a customer-centric way of thinking and working. Is responsible for creating a sustainable CX strategy at Kongstar, a fast-growing mobile carrier brand in Germany with more than five million customers. Welcome, Peter. Hi, happy to be here. So I'm very glad that you are uh, with me today because we know each other already for over twelve years. Yeah, so <laughs> twelve years from now, we together did a project at Deutsche Telekom. You you've been a younger researcher then what did change in the industry what do you think <laughs> in the telecommunication industry back then i
0: changed i got older <laughs> <laughs> but as you can see on the topics we we worked uh, uh, there 12 years ago uh, compared to today basically we still have the same questions. How can we make our customers more loyal and what are the key drivers to do that? This was the research we did 12 years ago, right? Yeah. So we had, a, we had a basic understanding on what level is our loyalty? What are the loyal customer groups? What are the not so loyal customer groups? But we wanted to understand what are the big drivers to make them in a the whole or in specific groups more, more, more loyal. And these basically are the same questions today. How can we keep our customer base stable? How can we keep them loyal? How can we get them to pay more for more? And how can we acquire new customers with a with a good message that loyalty is something you can have with us for, for a long way? These are the very same questions for 12 years. I think, of course, a lot has changed in terms of the technical backgrounds and, and also the product has changed a lot. But the key questions behind for me as a six guy or customer insights guy, whatever you want to call it, I guess are still the very same.
1: First Interesting. Huh? So you are now gradually transitioned from an inside role to a more strategic role. So you know both worlds tell me uh what can the one part learn from the other what can inside people learn from this uh strategy guys and and vis-a-vis what do you think ah uh, great
0: question if i could travel back in time and call myself or you know go with with professor uh i't know you know the reference <laughs> <laughs> um, if i could travel back in time to, to my younger self i would say you know, when you talk about insights, it's not so much about the tools, the formats, and the crazy techniques you can you can do to create insights. It's more about translation of insights and, and, and to, to bring them into the language of the company. Very often, and still today, when you talk to inside people or when you talk to people uh, who are working in research, and just this week I was on a, I was on a conference where we had the very same questions. It's all about how can I make people in the company listen to me? How can I make people in the company listen to my insights? How can I make people listen to research? You know, and these are exactly the questions we had 12 years ago or I had 12 15 years ago and I think the problem very often is we are we are too focused on on our tools and we are too much in love sometimes with our topics on the good end you can say we are very motivated to, to work in our field you know but on the bad side we, we don't take stakeholder management as serious as we should be so this would be I think my, my key message don't only talk about stakeholder management uh, do it do it in your very own uh, environment. Because, of course, the quality of insights is important, but the, the insights are never the, the product. They're always a mean to an end. And at the end, it's all about the company and the value the company is getting out of these insights.
1: It, it really reminds me to the the shoemaker has the worst shoes. Because, yes. you know, to, to make your insights being accepted in the com- company, you need to understand your internal customers right yeah. so and if you understand your internal customer you you know what they are interested in then you can cater for them and then they will buy what you have to offer i think that's that's a key thing it's it's not easy but i think that's what i see is often missing to understand that you're not there to push things into the organization you need to start at your internal customer think out oh, this is my customers what do they want and how can i help them right
0: a small anecdote. When I was working in marketing, market research in a company, we were so focused on selling research and selling new projects, we, we didn't even have a good customer feedback uh, in place. So basically, there was no customer feedback on our end. <laughs> so we, we, we weren't using the product we were selling. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: basically, that's a, a,
1: just a, a funny thing. Yeah. Let's come to, your, to the topic of today. Prepare your insights. You are leaving PowerPoint land. So this is... This is an interesting, uh, catchy line. What is exactly your point here?
0: I came to the title when I when I reminded myself of a guy I work with sometimes. And he had a shirt in, in some of the workshops. We we're working together. And the, the, the shirt was literally saying, everything works in PowerPoint land. And, and I love this shirt so much. And I love this, this, this quote so much that I'm using it uh, regularly, because in customer experience or in six we always want to wanna talk about customer journeys and, 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 we, and we we are not getting tired to, to tell the colleagues. We have to work and think and discuss in customer journeys and not in single interactions. But when we talk about customer journeys, very often we end up in, in assumptions. So whenever we start a customer journey uh, discussion or, or we want to draw a customer journey, sooner or later, you realize what we talk about are assumptions and they all sound very reasonable on a slide, you know, but they're not based on research. They're just made up right now. And we are very freely uh, associating what happens next, what happens next, what happens next, but how do we know? And the first thing then comes to, you know, uh, me as a customer, when I last time did blah, 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 or my, my son did this, or I experienced it with a friend of mine, but this is, again, this is not, this is not insights. These are anecdotes. And I think it can be a good thing to start in a customer journey uh, mapping, for example, with a, with, a, with an anecdote or with an assumption. But you, you must never forget to validate your assumption via research. Yeah. And I think it's very dangerous uh, if, you, if you make this journey and it sounds very logical, like a story. And you say, okay, case closed, we have the customer journey, we have the three pain points. And by the way, these pain points are the pain points we are working on anyway, so we can, we can proceed. That's a bit uh, uh, what I call the paradox of research. Normally you have to produce results everyone agrees with because they're reasonable. And then they say, yeah, we knew it anyway. So we can do what we what we had to do. But as soon as research brings results which people don't know or don't don't immediately understand, they say, ah, it can't be true. It can't be true. Why? It's because we, we, we know it's different. Why do you know it's different? It's always been different. And this, I think, is a very, very dangerous thing for for, for, for all research people in all kind of professions. We have to to fight this. Don't don't deliver assumption or don't validate assumptions. Bring them into, into context that there might be something new in it. And I think that's why so it's so important that we leave PowerPoint land behind. And whenever we do something, we should immediately get into contact with customers. So for me, very often a project when I when I when I go on and discussing a, a journey or we start discussing a customer journey, the first thing I want to do is I want to talk to customers or I want to feel or see the experience they have with, with this journey specifically. So true. You don't you don't have to take insights out of this already, you know, in the very first step. But you have to get a good feeling. You have to to start getting into something by which we normally call empathy. And even if you don't write anything down from this, you you will hundred percent have a better understanding of the journey after than you had before. And it's a small thing nowadays. You can you can set up an interview with the customer in every journey in less than five days. We have infrastructure now that we can do this. Every journey we want to uh, we want to uh, uh, start or we want to discuss we can find customers and we can get in direct contact with them within 5 working days that's my promise to the colleagues tell me the journey i uh, bring you the customers and then we can talk to them and we talk to, to, to them about their experience because never forget you can you all you, you can map a customer journey only internally always product centered customer journey but what you want in the end is a, is a is a customer based customer journey and there are always steps in a journey which you are never aware of because they happen without Without interaction of you, without interaction from you, especially in our field, you know, we as mobile phone industry, we don't sell very exciting products.
1: What I really found interesting the other day, when you told me that everyone in your organization needs to have contact, customer contact, right? <laughs> it needs to listen to conversations and so forth. Right? Yeah, that uh, ties into the point you mentioned, right? A kind of, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a, we try to
0: change the habits. Yeah, So, so by, by, by a very strong nudge, <laughs> now we bring the people to the hotline. So to make it very concrete at Kongstar, we have an event called Service Live, which is every week in uh, at least one hour, each Kongstar can listen in to uh, customer calls. So he can just from his desktop, just one click, and then he's he's in live interviews or live hotline calls with customers. He can listen in. He sees on his screen the the front line, the front end of the of the agent. And after each call, he can discuss with the agent and he can ask questions and he can, for example, understand the process. Why did you answer like this? Why did this happen? What was what was the the reason behind? And so on and so on. And I don't expect that from every session we get we get you know action points oh we have to change the process oh we have to change it's a good thing if it happens but i don't i don't think it necessarily has to happen every week but i but i want to nudge people that it gets more and more kind of a habit I listen to customers. It's part of my job. It's what I do. Even if I work in finance or human resources or company strategy, it's what I do, and it goes through the whole organization. Our CEO Axel also uh, was listening uh, to, to to calls lately, and all people from the from the leadership
1: circle uh, they're doing this on a regular basis. That makes sense. It's um, probably much more convincing than the PowerPoint slide. Sometimes. Also, this this quote this quote uh, also reminds me to another quote when it's on when it's, and it's written in powerpoint it's called artificial intelligence if it's written in or in, in python it's machine learning like that right <laughs> yeah and the the point is so true that actually the the main method of validating theories of people is to think is it reasonable or not does it make sense or not but actually, it's not a very good method uh, to validate something because it's simply uh, validated based on the things we already know, right? So there is no if you just use this reasoning, you are you cannot learn something new, right So and it's not even a very good method to validate things. so you you need to rely on the research methods to learn something new, right?
0: Yeah, and you need and you need more than one. Research methods, but we try to, what we try to tell people always, you know, there is not one single hammer for the nail of, of of insights. You you have, you have to be aware of the method you're using, and you have to be aware of the of the bias you're bringing in with this research, because every research has a bias. And I think this, it also helps if you start small. If you just start with listening in, everyone understands this cannot be the only source, but it is the first source, and from there. You're getting new hypothesis and you get you come to other source because we have to do triangulation. You know, we have to work with, from different angles. We have to 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 work with qualitative research in the beginning, for example, to create hypothesis, what is going well, what is going not so well with the with customer journey. And then we get pain points. Maybe we get too many pain points. Maybe we get uh, some more and others just, just basically one or twice while we're listening. But these are then not pain points we have to work on. These are hypotheses, and we have to check, okay, if this is a pain point, what should I see in the system? What should go wrong somewhere in in the KPI I can really work with? And then I go to the next level of research. And when I find KPIs who are now validating or falsifying my pain point, then I can translate this into a business uh, a business hypothesis. You know, knowing this pain point and knowing the KPI, it, it happens like this. I can tell this costs us real money in terms of you know too many people are calling or uh, too many people are not are not doing the contract as we want to or not uh, changing the contract. Yeah, but you need this this kind of triangulation. For example, when we when we when we talk to customers now in the, in the customer journey of order or well, uh, tariff change is the same thing. Very often we have we have young guys, you know, the the, the perfect target group, young male people in their thirties. They do everything in the app. They check the, the new tariff. They say, Oh, it's a great tariff. Yeah, I, I changed the tariff, and they go in the app until the point of order now, and then they lay down the app and the phone, and they call us hey, I want to change my tariff, you know, and I don't come get my, my head around this because why, why are they doing this? And now we, we try, to find, and try to find out, is this, a, is this a quantitative important thing what we see that people are, even if you do a good job bringing them into the app, they still call us because this doesn't make sense a lot. Did you find out yet? No? No, nah, not yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm quite convinced, to be honest, because the pattern is, the pattern is strong. And the, the hotline volumes are, are, are large, but um, to make the, the real connection of two different touchpoint interactions, bring them together in an in a, in a interlinked way is, is, I think, not easy, at least not easy
1: for us right now. And that, that was one of my questions that you mentioned that you are, want to focus on certain customer journeys. And the question is, can you really analyze a customer journey independently from others? What's your experience on that?
0: There's a theoretical answer and a practical one. (laughs) Well, in theory, I think everything belongs together or no touch points uh, are never isolated. But in practice, we very often do as they are isolated. So we just work on one single interaction and try to change it. But I think also in reality, very often, this is reasonable for a company. So it's like an 80-20 solution. We know we could do better, but for a lot of uh, hygiene factors or basic pain points, that's okay but we need to find the 20% of of interactions where we really need to, to bring them together. So this is why we say, we don't need to focus on all customer journeys, Sometimes when you talk to people about customer journeys, there is this big, big question over the head, but then you have to map all the customer journeys and we never get finished. And there are so many customer journeys and they all belong together. And I think that's not necessary. You don't have to to know all customer journeys and you don't have to work on all customer journeys, but you have have to make a conscious decision. What are the important customer journeys you're working on as a company? Because there's the value for you as a company. And within these customer journeys, there you have to, to make the connections. So the app and the hotline, why are they connected? How they are connected? What is happening before the other? And why are customers doing stuff you would not expect?
1: What is a typical insight framework or playbook for us to analyze a certain journey? Is there a basically a straw man which you would highlight? This is the three steps to go and this mess to, to take?
0: It depends a bit uh, what you're aiming for with the customer journey mapping. When it's when it's a workshop map, I would say start, start a sum space, bring the people in. You need And then uh, try to identify the one, two, three points where you want to validate via research. But if it's more like what we are trying to do to use customer journey mapping as an information system, then I'd say make a conscious decision which are the two or three or four customer journeys you really want to dig deep and then define the, the zoom levels you need. Because a customer journey on the highest level is, is from, from the day a customer starts to thinking about getting a customer from us until the day he finished his relationship with us, which normally can be two, three, four, five years. And we have to focus on some, exi- some, some defining moments, you know? like, for example, the, 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 the onboarding process, including the order or the tariff change process, or when he gets in contact with us. Three key customer journeys we have to, we have to focus on. And then you, go, you have to go a, a level deeper. Uh, you have to. So you change the zoom level now, level two, and I just look on the on the on the service process, for example, and then I and then I and then I define my lanes. So again, it's fine to start with assumptions. No worries with that. We have experts in the company, and they have, uh, I would say, good reason for assumptions. But but don't stop there, and then make 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 up all the other lines. If you have the steps, step by step by step, validate the steps. Go for the pain points. What are the key pain points and prioritize them and keep it always dynamic. It's never finished. A map is never finished, by the way. If and if you can, if you can, if you can uh, decide on something, put, make a what-if lane. Yeah? Journeys very very soon gets very complex because you want to put everything into it, but you have to. You make decisions. Sequential decisions are very important. Make them small and make them very often. But once you have done them, commit to them. Yeah. And put all the other things away. And then if you have what if lanes, they are the source for new customer journeys, for example, later on. And then you need KPIs. You don't need a ton of them, but you have to make, again, a conscious decision, which two, three, four, maximum five KPIs that say you really need to understand the customer journey. In our case, and this is, I guess, because of mobile phone. Again, it's not a very sexy product. Yeah? We said for, for a lot of journeys, it's important that it's for customer very easy and this is also something i think which correlates with our brand you know our brand promises is, is a bit like with us it's easy we are fair we are flexible we do it your way you want it you get it german sounds better <laughs> i guess so so easy is uh, is a very important thing so the customer effort score is is, a, is for us a, a useful kpi yeah we have a lot of pressure using the um the, the, net, the net promoter score yeah but it doesn't make a lot of sense for us in, in a lot of journeys and for some journeys it makes Sense, but we have to make a conscious decision. We have a we have a target picture, what we are aiming for in each customer journey, and and if if it's for if it's it's really a journey where we can make a difference because we are really great in it, and the brand promise is like this, then we also can use the 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 net promoter score, for example.
1: It's very much aligned to. What uh, the other day, uh, Tabitha Dunn told me here, she was a guest in one of the episodes. She's a CCO of Ericsson.
0: Ericsson, yeah, I, I saw
1: that. She, she was promoting the idea of Agile insights, Agile CX insights. So really focusing on one point at a time, Yeah, because this is on the opposite of what many vendors suggest. Yeah, you need the full picture all the time and so forth, right? to track everything, but this would rather suggest okay, maybe have a have a global indicator, but then deep dive only on one or two things at a time.
0: Right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's a very good point. I I, I called it dynamic earlier, but you can call it HR because everything is HR nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> you need an overview and that's in my point of view is, is the customer journey atlas, we call it, you know, the highest level. And then you need a a basic KPI and then you need constant decisions. And these decisions can change, by the way, where they want to go deep. So go deep in that journey and and, by, and you can ignore the others. You know, you, you can't work on every journey at the same time. You have to make decisions. And if you go in on one journey, go for it and make the KPIs and check if it works and then go back to the to, the, to the to level one and see again where you have to go.
1: Peter, you have a long experience in CX Insights. Um, and still, when I see the uh, companies still companies basically work with descriptive analysis of customer feedback. That's basically what most of them do. I would like to hear your view on the importance of using advanced analytics to yeah, uh, gain deeper insights based on the customer feedback. Uh, where Where is the role of, of this from your point of view?
0: It's another tool in my toolbox. And it's not the hammer on every nail, but it's a very good hammer for some nails so I would say, if you if you have to decide it again, first decision is made where you want to go deep. Then use your best tools, and then I'd say go deep with 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 uh, with advanced analytics. But don't use it all the time, and don't make a a big multi-year project on 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 developing the best codebook in the world to to make a sentiment analysis of everything. But start small. I, I'd say, and there where you start, there they really try
1: to 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 find the best tool. Again, the the AI idea propagated into the analytics world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you want to uh, make uh, uh, the catchy title, then it's Agile.
1: It's always Agile. you know. Yeah,
0: everything is Agile.
1: <laughs> right. Peter. Which question would you have asked if uh, you would be me today?
0: Yeah, that's a uh, that's a that's a lovely question. You make this very hard because you asked a lot of questions. I think the big one question is uh, w- which I would have asked maybe some pr- provocatively. Uh, customer journeys aren't not aren't that new, aren't they? <laughs> So
1: (laughs) we all grew up with customer journeys. Yeah. uh, Peter, um, customer journeys aren't the new, huh? aren't they? (laughs) So what's what's the deal?
0: I think the the new thing is we don't use them as we did. And as I did some years before as a, as a workshop tool or even as a project tool, there's a nice, uh, you know, wall of customer journeys, five five meter long, 10 meter long. And if it's the CEO, then it's uh, even printed in a very nice uh, layout. And then, um, after some time, the post-its are coming down, like you know, like the like, uh, leaves in the autumn, and then it's gone. But we, we want to use it as a continuous information system in the company. Yeah? And, and this also means this project of a customer journey is never finished. Yeah? It's a framework we want to use uh, constantly to make our decisions and to keep our decisions agile. I think this is, the, this, is the, this is the new approach. And I think this is also the approach where it makes sense uh, for customer journeys uh, to use uh, uh, advanced analytics. Because it doesn't make sense to use it in a workshop or even in project because your, your journeys never keep up to date and we have to get this into our minds journeys are, are never finished and they always are dynamic slash agile and they are more a framework than a than 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 a, uh than an artifact or a,
1: or a deliverable yeah i couldn't have a better final world peter thanks so much for joining us today it was a pleasure thanks it was a lot of fun very insightful and see you soon see ya bye bye
0: This was an episode of CX Insights Rockstars. Join the CX Insights Rockstars on LinkedIn and keep on rocking CX Insights.